Hi guys, welcome back to Divorce, What I Wish My Parents Knew. Today, I am honored to be virtually seated next to Kate Anthony. She is the host of one of the best podcasts out there if you're looking for help with divorce, and it is called um, The Divorce Survival Guide. And she has, how long have you been doing this podcast for? Oh gosh, that's a really good question. I wish I had the answer to it. I can't remember, four years maybe? Four and a half? I can't remember. Okay, okay. more than one. That's what matters, more than one Oh yeah, year. oh no, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, and Kate has a plethora of episodes and resources and truly it is like the gold mine of all things divorce resources. So first I wanna tell you guys about that before we jump into her episode. But Kate is unique in the fact that not only has she been divorced, but she's actually a child of divorce as well. And so, Kate, I would love for you to give us your divorce stats, first starting with your parents' divorce. How old were you when your parents got a divorce? Well, <laughs> I was 11 months old when my parents separated. Um, okay. They did not get divorced till I was like 10, but that was only because they couldn't afford it. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, but they were, I was 11 months old. So I literally came home from nursery school asking my mom why my friend's parents lived together. (laughs) Because I thought that was weird. (laughs) Sure. Because your normal was separation. Yeah. Yeah. My normal was they were not together. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I did not know life with them together. Yeah. And then what does, what was the workout between going from house to house? Do you remember what that was like? I do very much. So, um, it was, you know, it was the seventies. So it was sort of by default and every other weekend kind of thing. Um, except that my dad was very much in and out of my life. Um, most of my life. So he was very inconsistent. He would be scheduled to pick me up and then he wouldn't show up, um, stuff like that. So, um, but when he was in a relationship, he was very consistent. And so in my earliest years, I think, you know, almost right away, he was in a relationship. I remember being like four and he was in a relationship and he was living with the woman and they lived a block away from where I grew up from my mom's apartment. And so, um, I was, it was very consistent. She had a daughter the same age. And so it was very consistent there for, I mean, that was probably maybe like the first, I don't, I mean, I feel like they were together for like four years, but I remember it as like my earliest memories. And then when they broke up, he was sort of, he bounced around lots of different places. Um, you know, I lived in the same apartment my whole life. Um, but my dad, I mean, I, we tried to count once we we lost count of the number of places that he lived. Um, yeah, so it was very inconsistent and my relationship with him, like I said, it was very, um, you know, in and out and in and out. And that caused all sorts of, um, issues for me, obviously growing up. Um, so yeah, very consistent at my mom's house, very inconsistent at my dad with my dad. Sure. And, and I had curious. a little a little white suitcase. It was like a little oh. tiny little white hard hard shell suitcase with like a sat, a pink satin interior. And that was what wow. I would bring with me. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I love that thing. Yeah. Oh. I know we all have our special bags. I joke about like yeah. if you're uh 
a 90s or 2000s kid, you probably had, like, in your girl, you probably had a Vera Bradley set that you'd bring over from moms to dads. Yeah, so popular with Vera Bradley duffel. <laughs> uh-huh, totally. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's weird what we remember about our childhood. That's so yeah. fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm curious, Kate, as you grew older, like, to be a teenager and then an adult, um, did you, what were your views of divorce? Were you like, man, I hated going from house to house. Mm. Like, I never want that for my life or my kids. Oh. Or were you like, man, divorce actually was a blessing because I can't even imagine my parents together. What were your views Ooh. on the topic of divorce? Well, so I became a divorce coach very early because I was the first person in, you know, my elementary school whose parents were separated. Whenever anyone else's parents got divorced, I, I would be the first person that they would come to, right? Like, oh my God. And I would say, it's, it's, it's a blessing. You like, think about how much they've been fighting and how hard it's been. And now there's not going to be any fighting in your house anymore. And again, because it was the seventies, really almost all of them, there was no going back and forth. It was like, you visited your dad every other weekend and that was the norm. So you know, for better or worse. But, um, so I do remember that. And I remember my friends having these conversations with me and I remember saying those things to them. And recently we were talking about that, like my old friends and they were like, you have always been doing this. You have been a divorce coach. And they, and they said like, your advice was so like, my friends were like, you, I still remember you saying this to me and it really, really helped. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, Dang. cool. I guess I, I guess I've been doing this a little longer than I thought. Seriously. <laughs> it's weird how you kind of stepped into that role without even realizing it at such a young age. Mm-hmm. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> oh my it's goodness, weird. Kate. Okay. So then fast like fast forward a little bit, you get married. But then also it's funny because like you say you started as a divorce coach when you were younger, but your professional career did not start as a divorce coach. So what did that look like for you as well? Oh gosh, no, I was an actor. I was an actor all my life. Um, I, I grew up in New York. My parents were both actors. So I was an actor for like the first 30 years. I started very early. I was, I started on Sesame street. So I started when I was three. Um, I think I may have done a couple commercials earlier, but anyway. Um, so no, I was, and I was a professional actor up until through my divorce, actually. Um, and then it was like, okay, what are we going to do now? <laughs> because it was, um, I, I knew that I was, I had been a stay at home mom while I was acting. My, my ex-husband's, um, career sort of took off when I got pregnant. So I was, you know, able to, um, not work during that time. And so, but then I, was, you know, divorced. And I knew that I only had like two and a half years of spousal support. So like I had to get on the ball and figure out what I was going to do. And I was like, I'm not, I'm, I was done acting. Um, I was done acting certainly in LA because, which is where I live now and where we lived, um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I was raised in the theater. I was doing film and television. It's not the same <laughs> by a long shot. Um, and 
I knew that, and I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't like television and I didn't, uh, and I didn't want to audition anymore. I didn't want to be driving all over Los Angeles. I can't like, imagine what that would be like, the auditioning process. I've heard about it. It sounds like you just put your heart on the line and you're ready for it to just get chopped up. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that that's basically how my marriage was. And when I divorced my husband, I also divorced every every other abusive relationship in my life, which Ooh. included like my best friend and it included my career because wow. being an actor, you are in an abusive relationship with the industry. Yeah. They gaslight you. They ghost oh, you. I'm sure. They ghost you. You audition. And the and way you that you know back? you didn't get it is that you they don't tell you anything. That's, That's the awful. deal. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's very, like, there's so many parallels that I could, you know. Well, what's um, so fascinating, Kate, was that, like, you were in more than one abusive relationship. Like, mm -hmm. that's interesting that because you were used to it in your romantic relationship, like, you allowed it to seep into other parts of your life, too. And so. Because I was raised in it, too. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then you had the ups and downs. That's right. And I, and then the, the narcissist mom. <laughs> I mean, I, we could go on. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, raised I. raised by a narcissist. Holy cow. There's a lot of research on that. It's a miracle that you are not one. <laughs> it's my ex-husband was in, was over, I don't know, it was, it was like a couple months ago and we were talking about my parents and I don't know. I don't even know what we're talking about. And he just stopped and he looked at me and he goes, you are a goddamn miracle. <laughs> wow. He said, oh I don't know gosh. how you ended up so well-adjusted given where you came from and you know frankly it's because I did a lot of fucking work yes <laughs> like, well tell us okay yes tell us about I busted my like, ass to become like? that right oh, but like how looks, did you know after you divorced mm -hmm. you said okay I'm done with the career I'm okay done so I was like friend, I'm done right? I'm done with acting I'm done with all this all of this and then you know, people, uh, someone, people were like, you should be a therapist. A lot of people were like, you should be a therapist. And I was like that. I don't want to go. A, I don't want to go to school for that long. I don't have that much time. I don't have that much money. And that also does not sound like it doesn't sound right. I don't like it. And then my friend said, what about coaching? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I went to school for that. And then I was like, yes, I want to do this divorce thing. Nobody was doing it, by the way. Divorce coaching was not a thing. There was no certification for it. Like nobody was doing it. I was. It's such a new thing. Like our friend yeah. Bella Duncan in Australia, uh -huh. there's yeah. no such thing as that in Australia. No such thing. There's no certification or anything like that uh -uh. for it. No, yeah. Right. That's not a thing. It's, it's like in the last five to 10 years or five years, I think the certification here and I was like looking into it. I was like, well, should I, I don't know, should I do this certification for this thing that I've been doing for a decade? But, um, <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, it's crazy. Right. And so, uh, so I was sort of, I mean, Susan Guthrie says I'm was one of the pioneers of the divorce coaching industry, which I didn't really think about until she said it. And I was like, I guess I was, I believe so, it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And when I started coaching, I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. I don't want to be like sitting in an office with people coming in and just talking and not being able to give them advice. Like that's the thing about therapy is that therapists can't give advice. Like that's yeah. like not what they do. And I was like, that sounds terrible to me <laughs> when I know if I know what they need to not be able to tell them that sounds awful. So I decided to, um, uh, so I decided on the coaching route and then, you know, it took a really long time to build my business, but you know, here we are.
14 years later. It's amazing. No, it's truly amazing. And I love that you have taken a lot of, I don't know, a lot of what people would consider like a mess and you've turned Mm -hmm. it into this really beautiful thing for others to then walk in. Like, I think that that's just so cool that you can do that with your pain. Well, and and you too, right? You too, sister. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah. What was it like then walking through a divorce yourself and thinking like, oh, now my kid is a child of divorce? I was never going to get divorced. I mean, never. I was never going to get divorced. I, you know, there are a lot of children of divorce that grow up and say, I'm never going to get married, right? I was like, I had bought fully in to the fairy tale, happily ever after, like that, I was going to do it. And I actually was really dead set on, I was so dead set on getting married that I forgot to be, to be discerning. <laughs> I didn't, wasn't yes. as discerning as I should have been yes. about who I was marrying. And I, you know, it was like, I wanted the fairy tale. I wanted the wedding, the white dress, the cake, like I wanted all of it. Um, And, you know, we were, uh, you know, a very sort of like, whatever, like attractive fairy tale couple. Like we, you know, we looked the part and it was a it was a mess. I mean, it was a disaster. So I was never going to get divorced. Like, I mean, I was never, I was absolutely never going to get divorced. And then, you know, I was, and, and the way that my parents did it was that I was in the middle all the time, all the time, you know, and partly because my dad wasn't paying child support and my mother went through everything. She, she tried every avenue, but you know, she would put notes in my little white suitcase. I would open my suitcase and there would be a letter that I had to give to my dad. Or she would say, you know, you need new shoes. Tell your dad because I can't afford them because he's not paying child support. Or, you know, and I was the, I was made the messenger. Absolutely. And it was awful. It was awful. And some of my earliest memories are of them screaming at each other. I, I, you know, I grew up in New York city. And so there was, I would a very, very, very long, narrow hallway, Uh um, which is very, you know, common in the city. And so I remember sitting on the floor when I was like, I don't know, three, four with them, two of them on either side of me, just screaming over me in the hallway. Oh, and so, you know, I have very, very early memories of how awful it was. And so for a long time, I was trying to stay in my marriage for my son. Um, but what yes. I, yes. So many people do that. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do because, well, first of all, there was this big research study um, that yes, came I out. Yes, I talk about this. You posted this yes. on your Instagram and I was like, thank you so much, Kate. Yeah, it's wrong. Like, so there was this research study done. I can't even remember the woman's name. And she wrote a book about it. She wrote a book about children and divorce and how divorce completely screws up kids. And you, you know, nobody, you've got to stay in your marriage for your kids. And then later on, it was discovered that she basically only took this very tiny 
it was something like 19 people or something. And they were all from Marin County. They're all from the same area. And there were like, there was domestic abuse in all of these, you know, in many of the, of the relationships. And so it was not a, it was not a study. (laughs) It was a tiny sampling and it was not diverse. (laughs) Yeah. it, It was in her neighborhood. And so, but any, but yet this study continues to be cited, even though it's been widely scientifically debunked. And even though there has been significant research that has been done over time that states and shows unequivocally that children of divorce, they are impacted. We are impacted. There's like, there's no way around it. Absolutely impacted. However, children who whose parents go through an amicable divorce and have a healthy co-parenting relationship in the long term grow up to be just as well-adjusted as kids whose parents did not divorce and were also not in a toxic environment, right? Yes. Children who are raised in toxicity, whether that is in marriage or divorce, those are the ones who suffer. It's not the divorce. It's the toxicity. So yes, 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 yes. 1000%. Thank you, Kate. Yes, you're very welcome. Um, So whether you stay, and this is why I advocate for women all the time, get out of your abusive relationship, get out of the toxicity because your children are, they are picking it up. And I work with clients right now whose children have extreme psychological uh, distress and disorders and suicidal ideation and, and attempts all sorts of things. Now, is it because of their divorce? I don't know. But I know that they were raised in an extremely toxic environment and their divorce is so contentious that it's a wonder that the other kids don't have it, have that too, right? It Like well, they don't Kate, have a chance. Like, like I told you in our podcast that we did together, that when I went to counseling, the counseling wasn't because, oh, mom and dad aren't together anymore. The counseling was because what I saw when they were together, like, exactly. you know exactly. what I mean? And uh-huh. so when these I do. parents yes. are saying, oh, well, when they're 18, they move out, then we'll get mm-hmm. divorced. That's so confusing for the child. So it's confusing. The, it's, it's the worst because then the kid knows, by the way, oh my God, they stayed for me. Like Then you they, feel guilty. Then you feel guilty, right? Like my mom continued to be abused until I left, you know, or whatever, whatever the circumstance, if it's toxic, whether it's the divorce or the, or the marriage, that's what has the impact on the kids. So as soon as I realized that my son, like how my marriage was impacting my son and who, this is the important part. What was the, mo- I realized the model of relationship that I was handing to him and I, and I about lost my mind Wow! because I, I realized that while my parents weren't together, I right. was still modeling it. This was my relationship model, right? Wow. Even though they were divorced, the relationship model I was given and no, my mother never remarried. Um, she barely has had, she's had a couple of relationships. Um, my dad married, uh, two more times and had countless 
long-term girlfriends over the years. I mean, my dad is a serial monogamist. He <laughs> goes from, he has never been single day in his life. Um, <laughs> literally. Um, so, so, and you know, so he, so I saw these things like my model, my model for relationships was completely oh was like the up. worst toe. Yes. So screwed. And so I was like, oh, look, and here we are. This is what we're handing mm. to my son. This is the wow. model. This is the imprint. Here's the blueprint from me to you. And I was like, I'm out. I'm out because the best thing I can do is get out of this toxicity. And the only person I have control over is me. And I just worked my ass off on healing my trauma, doing my therapy work, and really becoming, you know, as evolved as I, you know, can be. Um, and that goes on forever, like it never stops. But so that he had at least one model. I couldn't, I couldn't control what his dad did. Um, but I knew that I needed one, uh, he needed at least one model of healthy, secure, confident, and not toxic. Well, and Kate, the cool thing too is that you recognize one is enough. Like with you, Kate, you didn't have really a good model with your mom or your dad, unfortunately. Nope. And nope. so it's not like, oh, they got divorced. They were awful together. But at least after the divorce, like mom showed me what healthy religion or dad showed me, no one showed you. And so of course you made the same mistake because you didn't know any better. When you're young and your friends are getting married and everyone's getting married, you're like, well, the answer is marriage. And if we have problems uh -huh. in dating, I'll just get married and that'll fix my problems. Well, and that'll like, fix it. And then the baby bullshit. will fix it. <laughs> yes. Yes. You just keep pushing it. I mean, yep, there's so 100%. many people though that believe this because they're not taught any different. Like you don't know what you don't know. And so right. I think it's so powerful that you recognize like, wow, I can't control it as dad does. But man, if I can show my son what healthy mm -hmm. looks like, Hopefully mm -hmm. I can pave the way for him to choose healthy for himself in the future. And so I think that's amazing that you did that. Not only for him, but for you too. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, I mean, it was for him first. I also realized, you know, his dad was abusive to me and I, and I was like this little, he was three and he was perfect and he was so like adorable and squishy and you know with the biggest biggest brown eyes you've ever seen in your life and like I was like he's gonna become an abuser and I was like oh Shoot. hell no hell Girl. no right like my baby like that's like the visual from the Colleen Hoover novel uh do you know her it ends with know. us. Which, oh gosh, yes. Where she looks down at her baby and she's like, I can't do this. I can't do this. That's right. And I'm like, oh that's my exactly. gosh. Yes. When I read that, I was like, that, that's it. That's why I left. That's wow. why. But unfortunately, um, the toxicity did remain at his dad's house. Yeah. And it was a very, very long and difficult road. And he now lives with me full time by choice. Um, so okay. I mean, partly because at 16, he was like, hey, yeah, I'm done going back and forth. Yeah. I'm like, I'm fucking done. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not doing this anymore. Well, what um, was the breakout for back and forth? Was it weekends or was it? No, tonight? it was week on, week off at that okay. point. Okay. It was at that point, it was week on, week off. We had been doing the 
um, two two five when he was little, and then we did, and then as he got older, he was like, "I need more time." And so we did, you know, week on week off, and that worked for a while until he was like, and for he'd been asking for a long time, and I was like. I don't know how to have this conversation with your dad. I don't like, he's going to lose his mind. He's going to be so hurt. Like, I mean, can you imagine being the parent of a kid coming to you being like, I don't want to live with you anymore. And it wasn't, it was literally just logistics. It was literally like, you know, now if he had said that to me, I would have been like, ouch, but okay. But I would have you know, but his dad is more sensitive. And so, um, so we didn't, but then his dad, blew up the family and uh you know his second wife left and all it was a huge disaster it was like i'm done i'm out yeah, and, enough and at that point like up. his dad had well his dad had no leg to stand on <laughs> sure yeah no armor or ammo to really be like but <laughs> he literally had not a leg to stand on yeah um, like okay i get it i get it yeah wow so, So I'm curious, Kate, with your own experience and then with helping clients, because you've helped so many women through divorce, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of my audience are moms. We have a few single dads, so go dads. Yay, dads. Yep. Listen, Um, you're listening to this podcast. You're awesome. I love you. You're winning. Seriously. Uh Uh-huh. But as far as it's it's parents, it's not a lot of kids, because it does say, you know, what I wish my parents knew. Right. Um, so I'm curious, what advice do you have for parents? I know you have a whole load of advice on your website and everything else. But I mean, from what you have gained um, through your own experience and then grow up with hard stuff going on, uh, how can you really, especially let's let's talk about with a narcissist, because not a lot of people are open about that on my podcast quite yet. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so common that we need to talk about it more. At least the kids. Uh-huh. The kids don't want to come on here and say, hey, my, my dad's a narcissist. My mom's a- yeah, no, no. And it is it is hard. I think it's really – well, especially I think for children. I remember when my son kind of put the pieces together and he kind of asked me. He was like, wait, do we know any narcissists? Because he was like, what's a narcissist? And I was sort of like, and so I just defined it for him. And then he was like, wait, do do we know any? And I was like, yeah, we know a few. And then he was like, is it dad? <laughs> and I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I had to be like, well, yeah, you know, because he was actually diagnosed in therapy. Like he was, di- you okay. know, I said, well, a th- our therapist did say that he was, you know, so. Yeah. But that's hard. It's hard to, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's also to me when I realized, you know, I was like, oh, that's very liberating, (laughs) right? Yes. It's like, like, oh, it's not not me. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. There is something wrong here. Well, and there's so much gaslighting within a narcissistic relationship. You do kind of think you're crazy. You're like, am I just over-emotional? That's the the point. Am I just like Uh so needy, you know? Right. (laughs) And that's the point, right? That's like the design of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I'm Ugh. curious, how have you coached through a relationship with his dad? We kind of talked about this a tiny bit in my podcast on your show, but I mean, there's a difference between talking shit about your ex. Or yeah. Your it's a hard, it's a hard line to, it's a hard line. 
Um, I actually did an episode on my podcast with um, Christina McGee, who is an amazing uh, co-parenting coach. You you know, Christina. Um, And because she actually coached me through this. Because uh, okay. as as a friend, you know, sure. like I would call her and be like, I'm losing my mind because my ex is doing X, Y, and Z and it's asking me questions. And I don't know what I'm supposed to say, because on the one hand, I don't want to gaslight my kid and be like, no, dad's fine. Everything's great. Yeah. And on the other <laughs> hand, I don't want to be like, actually, your dad is a narcissist and he's a cheater and he's a liar and he's an abuser. Right. Like, and yes, those are two very broad extremes, but like, but how do you balance the middle? How do you do that? But the middle is like, it's still pretty, you know, like the, uh, the balance of those of like, yeah, you know, that's, you know, your experience of dad is really valid and also, you know, not throwing dad under the bus, right? Like validating their experience and, and what they're seeing and all of those things, but also not throwing them under the bus. It's hard. It's hard. And I, you know, that's basically, you know, we did a whole podcast episode on this with Christina because it's so hard. Yeah. What episode is that? It's episode. So it's episode 211. um, And it's called Walking an Impossible Line Talking Honestly with Your Kids About Their Other Parent. Yeah, it's a great one. I know, it's terrible. And, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, we were sort of talking about narcissism and that that people, I, I'm, I can't remember what your question was about that, about like that that not a lot of people want to talk, you know, the kids certainly don't want to talk about that um, on your show. But for the parents, for the other parent, like if you're co-parenting with a narcissist, um, it can be really, really, I mean, it, it can be fine, right? Because sometimes- they want to look like, you know, parent of the year. Uh, and then also, but like what they're doing behind the scenes doesn't match up. Right. And so they're making promises to the kids and they're making themselves look like parent of the year in front of the kids, but then they are undermining your efforts. And I mean, it's, it can be so hard. And I guess the Mm. most important thing to, to know, um, is that you're not crazy. And that it is enough for you to keep your side of the street clean and to keep your home toxic free. Wow. Yes. It's enough. It's enough. And it's enough for your kid too, because one safe home is way better than no safe home at all. (laughs) That's right. That's what I mean. It's enough for your kids. I don't, you know, I, you know, yes, it is enough for your kids. And you know, that's our job here. Our job is to create a safe environment for our children to grow up in. And even if they only have that environment 50% of the time, it's still okay. Cause you're giving them the gift of perspective, right? When there is, when they're immersed in toxicity, it's the air that they breathe and they don't even know that there's something else, right? They don't know it's this is norm. wrong. It's yeah. totally normal. And then if you get divorced and your kid has toxicity half the time and then like peace and calm and quiet and, you know, fun, whatever, the other half, eventually they start to go, um, there's a difference. One thousand and I choose and I yes. choose that. Yes. Now, there are times when children ally themselves with 
the toxic parent because they know that their love is conditional and that, you know, they, they have to, right. Um, if that is, if someone listening is experiencing that where the, where the children are really sort of like, um, siding with the unsafe parent, the safe parent gets really the short end of the stick a lot of the time because oh, we absolutely. are the safe one, right? We're no the one that- conditions with you. Right. You're the right. easiest you... one to please. I don't need to jump through hoops to get your love. I can just show right. up. And I can cry and scream and yell and I can push you away. Ooh, and you're always going to love me. Back. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yep. it is hard to be the good one. Yeah, it Dang. is. I mean, it really, it very much can be. It very much can be. Um, you know, my friend Christine Cocciola does uh, an entire program for, say, for the protective parent because we do, we get all of the shit. We get all of the anger. We get the, my mom used to say that I would go, I would come home on a su- Sunday night from my dad's house and that Sunday night was a nightmare. I would just scream and cry and yell. And it was like I had been holding myself together all weekend to be good for my dad so he'll love me. And then I just fell apart. Wow. You know? Wow. Yeah, I love that you talked about that, Kate, because unfortunately, that's the story of a lot of my friends who are children of divorce, of how they almost have two different personalities at the houses. There's like full authentic can be whatever I want to be them. And then there's the suffocating put together, only say what's going to please them walking on eggshells them. And that is, that's a a traumatic state for your nervous system to exist Mm in all the time. And that's why it falls apart once you get to a safe place. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's hard. It's hard. But if you are the safe parent, just know that you will always be the safe parent. Mm. Yeah. That's good. And that your relationship will, may go through ebbs and flows, but at the end of the day, you're still the safe parent. And in the long term, when kids become adults, right? I mean, you know this, right? It's like when, when kids who have experienced that level of toxicity, in their childhoods become adults they have a different lens when they're with their adult eyes right they look back on and they're like yes oh wait dad was a narcissist and an abuser oh wait mom i think she was an alcoholic <laughs> right? right like we see things yes. differently when we're adults mm-hmm. yeah so i'm curious kate when you were yeah. this is my last question for you but okay. when you were um a kid versus being an adult now how has your perception of your parents changed? Oof. Kind of a massive one, sorry. <laughs> I mean, now that I'm an adult and I work in the field of personal development, I I I feel so I, I can see their childhood trauma and I can see how deeply it affected them and wounded them and altered them psychologically um and just how damaged they are right like and sometimes that gives me 
a lot more compassion and other times it just doesn't, but at least it's information, yeah. right? So yeah. I still get mad about it. I'm still like, oh my God. Of course, because <laughs> like, there is a know. point where you're still an adult and you can't just blame everything on your childhood. Mm-hmm. You do have to make decisions for yourself. Well, by the way, they don't. They yeah. don't blame, like they don't even know. My, my mother, oh God, love her. My mom was raised in England. She's she's British and she was raised in England the first 4 years of her life. She was born in 1941. So the first 4 years of her life, she was in air raid shelters every single night. Her living room windows were bombed in. She lived through the blitz. Like there's like, you know, right? And so she wonders why she has trouble sleeping. And I'm like literally the first huh. 4 years of your life every single night air raid sirens were going off and you were being woken up and and moved into a bomb shelter. Like who, that was the first four years of your life. So she has really developing. Holy cow. Yeah. Her brain does not know how to go to sleep um, safely. And then she has, my mother has so much anxiety. It's like crippling anxiety disorder, but because it's the air that she breathes. I've said to her, I said to her, like, just like, five years ago, six years. I was like, I was like, mom, what you suffer from so much anxiety. She goes, no, I don't. I'm not anxious at all. And I'm like, Oh my God, you are, you are literally crippled with anxiety to the degree that you don't even know that like that, that that the amount that you worry and the amount of stress that you live under every single day is actually not normal. Um, so, you know, she doesn't, because their generation just didn't do this kind of work. Right. It wasn't as accessible, you know, as far as my mom's concerned, she went to therapy and she graduated in 1976. She got her degree. She said, I'm never going back. (laughs) I'm literally not kidding you. She went after the divorce and, and she was like, well, she told me I was, I was free to go. Wow. I was like, Oh God. (laughs) No, but that's so true. It's so true. When I look at my grandparents, they're under the same, when I told them I went to counseling, they go, well, what's wrong with you? Right. And I was like, Oh, nothing's wrong with me. I just, you know, I'm struggling. Your kids screwed me up. (laughs) You have, yeah, literally you have nothing to be anxious about. You have a great life. You have food, you have shelter. Like, you know, just these Mm -hmm. generations are just so sensitive these days. I'm like, we're not sensitive. We're actually just hyper aware of what's going on in our minds, which is thankfully a blessing. It's a but blessing. it is interesting, the generational kind of patterns of what mental health and the conversation of mental health looks like. Yeah. But um, yeah, my absolutely. favorite thing, though, Kate, that you said about changing your perspective of your parents, and this is for uh, for the adult children of divorce, is just you can know what your parent went through as a kid and have deep compassion for them and really understand, like, wow, that must have been very hard. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you can still coexist with anger and being upset because nobody deserves an abuser nobody deserves um an absent parent in a in a perfect world we'd all have fully emotional parents two parents that can love us unconditionally and that's right um and so I love that you can have both of those and still be correct it's not like well if I have compassion then I can't be angry you know? Well, and this is what a lot of victims of abuse do, right? They're like, oh, well, it's just his childhood wounding. And I know if I just love him enough and it's like, and they end up having more compassion for the abuser than they do for themselves. So, right. Like, like protect yourself. We can be compassionate. 
Absolutely. We can see that it's his childhood wounding and we can have a lot of compassion for that trauma and also not continue to be a victim of it. Because at this point, there is no excuse to not get help for your childhood trauma. There's no excuse for it. And, you know, we have podcasts available. There are a million books written about it. There are, you know, therapy is expensive. Yes, but there's a lot that's covered by insurance, right? At this point in 2023, if you're not if you're not getting the help for the stuff that you've got going on, then it's on like, you. It's on you. Yep. Yeah. So, that's what I have that's to say. Good, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> Oof, I'm fired up with Kate today, you guys. <laughs> I hope you all feel so empowered and you walk away knowing that it's all it's gonna be all right because not mm-hmm. only is Kate a child of divorce, she's also divorced herself and she's rocking it. Like Kate, you have a really <laughs> amazing life. You have such wonderful friends, you love I your do. career. You love your son so deeply. Your son hasn't totally shunned you for the rest of his life. I mean, that's Not a yet. victory. That's a victory. <laughs> Not yet. He's and still so, here. Yeah. So, I mean, parents, if you're worried about your kids, just remember, like, kids of divorce, they're just like anybody else. Just like that mm-hmm. misconceptualized study where it was like, divorce will ruin your kids forever. No, it's what you do post-divorce that really mm-hmm. determines what's going to happen. And so that's right. Kate turned yeah. out great. Y'all, y'all be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a lot of work, do, but do the work. It's available. Right. Do it. Well, Kate, where can my audience find you beyond your podcast? Also, where is your podcast? Is it available on all platforms? <laughs> Why, yes, it is, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> it is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, and it is available on all platforms. Um, it's also on my website, which is kateanthony.com. And everything is there. I also, uh, my Instagram and TikTok are uh, the Divorce Survival Guide. Perfect. We love that. I love that you're on TikTok. How fun. I mean, sort of vaguely. (laughs) (laughs) Vaguely on TikTok. Yeah, girl. It might be banned one day. Who knows? I was going to say, Montana already banned it. So here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Got to keep your assets. Oh my goodness. Well, Kate, thank you for this conversation. If you guys enjoyed, do not forget to follow and subscribe to this podcast so you know when the next one is coming up. Please leave a review so that we know that you've been enjoying these episodes. Definitely talk to Kate if she said something that impacted you. Um, And be sure to give her a follow because her content is amazing. I repost it most of the time. So you've probably already seen her content without even knowing it. But Kate, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Grace. You're awesome. I love you. Yeah, thank you. Love you too. Bye, guys. (laughs)